Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. That's an aptly named podcast, isn't it, Spencer Holbrook? I think it is, like Austin always says, it is the most aptly named podcast you could have. Yeah. And by the way, uh, my nickname for you, I don't like chives. My nickname for you is Sus. And you go, why? Because I always call you Spence, so it's Suspense. That's what you're going to bring to the Tim May podcast today. I think this might be your first ever appearance on the Tim May podcast, right? I believe it is. I think it is. Uh, we'd have to go back in the archives, you know, all the years that you've been doing this. But I think it is the first time. Yeah, and, I, and it, it's interesting to me because I love the backdrop behind you. You know, you've always been the guy. 99% of the time, you've been the guy behind the scenes for me on my podcast, the engineers, I call it, the guy, the producer, director, and uh, and key gaffer. And now people see uh, your backyard there. It's a magnificent backyard you've got there, the uh, the arches of uh, the the huge arch uh, portico of Ohio Stadium. Uh, you look really good. It looks like you're almost wearing it. Yeah, it is. It kind of looks like a headdress from here. But uh, yeah, I maintain it pretty well. I, I you know, trim the trees and yeah. Keep that field, field looking nice and keep the, the concrete uh, the way it should be. It, it's a nice backyard to have. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen evergreen buckeye trees or oak trees or whatever <laughs> those are before, but uh, nice job on that. But, uh, you know, obviously I came into this podcast with an upbeat kind of like approach because, you know, no matter how uh, Ohio State fans are going to twist and turn in the wind, uh, the college football playoff championship game, I always call it the 2020 championship game, but that college football playoff championship game with Alabama is securely in the rearview mirror right now. It's still smoldering, I think, in a lot of the fans' uh, rearview mirrors, but it is gone. And uh, my guest today uh, was right in the middle of it all that night at Hard Rock Stadium uh, in Miami Gardens against Alabama uh, just a little over a week ago uh, as we as we record this just a week ago. But uh, – uh, you know, he's already moved on. I'm talking about Josh Myers, the starting center for Ohio State, who has uh, declared his intentions to go to the NFL. And uh, he agreed to join me on the Tim May podcast here to uh, just talk about the past, the recent past, the long past, the, the, the year these guys went through just to get to play a season and uh, then moving forward now to his future. But then in past that, you know, you and I are going to come back after my conversation because we got a lot to talk about. But this Ohio State team, it's already times they are a changing, right? Uh, the roster, it is a changing for Ohio State, right? Yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And Ohio State's going to shuffle some guys through and have some new additions and some departures. And they're still going to be a national title contender. So it seems like, like I said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And that's going to be what, it, what the, uh, the word of the offseason is in, in Columbus. Well, we know Justin Fields is leaving. But, boy, the big news for uh, his successor – uh, whether, it be, whether it's C.J. Stroud or uh, Jack Miller or who knows, the McCord kid could come in and make a challenge. He says he wants to do that. But uh, the bottom line is he's going to have his left tackle back in Thayer Munford. He's going to have uh, uh, maybe the best tight end in college football this coming year. Jeremy Ruckert said he's coming back. And Chris Olave, who arguably 
if there's a receiver better than him in the nation, you know, especially now that Devontae Smith is gone, <laughs> you know, who knows who it is. But uh, Chris Olavi announced his intentions to return. So uh, that's big news. We're going to get into that later. But those those are pretty good developments for the whoever succeeds Justin Fields, right? Well, whoever has the opportunity to play quarterback is going to have a, the best night of their life tonight because they just found out they're getting back, like you said, an incredible wide receiver talent in Chris Olave, who could have been a first-round pick. They're getting back uh, tight end in Jeremy Ruckert, who's going to have a long NFL career and is going to be a fantastic NFL tight end. But for, yeah. him, for those two to both come back, and then you look at the running backs that are coming in and the running backs that are coming back, look at the offensive line that's coming back with both your tackles and some experience in the middle – Whoever's playing quarterback on that roster is going to have some fun next year. I'll just say yeah, that. Don't, don't give it all away now, man. We're going to come back after this conversation <laughs> with Josh Myers, and we're going to chop it up a little bit while uh, awesome Austin Ward uh, takes a break from the Tim May podcast. But uh, I really appreciate uh, – uh, I reached out to Josh Myers because, number one, I've always thought he was a thoughtful, thoughtful young man. Number two, he's obviously very intelligent. But number three, you know, he – He's one of those guys who's really made a name for himself over the last two seasons and is going to be, I do believe, a pretty good, uh, pretty high draft choice uh, when the when the draft rolls around, the 2021 draft rolls around. But uh, I wanted to get him before he got immersed into that uh, workout for the biggest day of his life, the day he runs 240-yard dashes back-to-back, and uh, people determine whether or not he's first-round material. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Josh Myers. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, uh, big-time guest here on the Tim May Podcast. I get a lot of big-time guests like Eddie George, Orlando Pace, Urban Meyer, people like that. But uh, I'm extremely excited to have this fellow on because all through the football season, we didn't get to have one-on-ones with Ohio State football players like we usually do because of the COVID-19 situation. But uh, Josh Myers, uh, former center for Ohio State uh, football, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. God, that sounds weird, former. God, that sounds weird. It's like that, man. Life moves moves quick. Yeah, it does. Hey, uh, before we get into talking about a lot of things, I got to ask you the straight-up question. uh, Are you over it yet? Will you ever be over what happened January 11th at Hard Rock Stadium, Ohio State versus Alabama? Uh, I am not over it, and I'm not sure that I ever will be. it was a, it was just an absolute, you know, pleasure and, and an incredible experience to be able to play in that game. Um, you know, it's something that I looked forward to and, and wanted to do in college and really my whole life. So it was a really cool experience, but it would have been a whole lot cooler of an experience if we would have just won the thing. So yeah. um, I'll, I'll look back on it fondly, but I won't ever, I don't think I'll ever be over it. You know, is it, is this strange to use you sit here right now? You're you're down uh, in the Dallas uh, Fort Worth area getting ready uh, because, uh, as people know by now, you you announced that you're uh, headed to the NFL. And good luck to you, by the way. But uh, and now you're down there, I guess, in a training situation. I'm I'm sure that's I don't know what's going on. What, why are you in Why are you in the Dallas Fort Worth area? Explain to people. Uh, yeah, well, thank you very much for starters. And uh, yeah, it's it's a whole process, really. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get everything done that needs to be done in a short period of time. So that involves offensive line training uh, that I do with Duke Mannyweather uh, and O line masterminds, and then I also am working out at Michael Johnson Performance in Dallas, and 
you know, preparing for the combine and, and all of the things that come with it, which I think a lot of people don't realize there are so many things that, that come with that and the preparation. Uh, so I'm going to be spending the, the next couple months down here getting ready for that. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about how stupid the combine stuff is in a minute. I'll, we'll get to that. But uh, is it strange <laughs> to you that this year that you just went through that y'all y'all fought for this season and you got it and it was taken away and then you got it again and you even had COVID once and had to miss a game and stuff. Is it strange that, hey, man, that's in your rearview mirror now. I mean, all, you know, what a year, but it's now it's over. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe, to be honest with you. Um, the last four years went by dangerously fast. Yeah. Uh, like, it's scary. It's scary how fast it went by. So, it is – it's weird. Someone stopped me the other day. I was at um, I was at Cabela's in, in Dallas, and someone stopped me and asked me if I played, and I had to – for the first time, I was like, oh, I used to, used to play <laughs> – used to play for Ohio State. I had an Ohio State shirt on. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it was super weird. The, the turnaround, you're right. Like you said, everything fighting for the season. Um, it, was, it was almost hard this year to kind of stop and appreciate the fact that we were playing in the, in the season and everything that came with it because it was just such a fight and such a grind all year long to get to where we ended up that I never really got to enjoy the fact that it was my last season, you know, no senior day. So – yeah, it happened fast. It was a very quick turnaround. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, no senior day. I mean, uh, the end of the season was just so strange. Uh, the Michigan State situation, you know, you didn't get to play there. Then the Michigan game is – I mean, that had – as you were going through it, was it surreal? I mean, how would you describe it to somebody when you were in the midst of all that? Especially, you know, I'm talking about the, the whirlwind that was the last uh, month or so of it. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy, crazy. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know how to like put into words what it was, what it was like. You just never, college football has always been something that's been so, so certain. Our schedule is, is it's our schedule and it never changes year round every day. I could tell you exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then, you know, I just get so used to that structure and so used to the, to the flow of it. And then it was just so abruptly changed. You never knew what was going to happen. You didn't know if we were going to practice that day. You didn't know if we were playing that week. Um, you know, we, we got the Team Up North game canceled. We didn't know if we were going to be in the Big Ten Championship after, you know, having the team that we knew we had. Yep. It, was, it was chaos. I don't know. Don't know how else to describe it other than chaos. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. In other words, you couldn't, you almost couldn't plan a meal, you know. <laughs> I mean, you never, you never know when the phone call is going to come. Uh, you know, you, you described uh, quite aptly uh, your fight with COVID, or at least it wasn't necessarily your fight with COVID, but just going through having to be isolated for uh, 10 days was crazy and stuff. And uh, as you look back on it now, I'm going to ask you just one last thing about that, uh, Josh. Did the, did the Big Ten get it right or not right, you think, the way they handled it? What From the inside out, as you look back on it now, what's just your take on the way the Big Ten handled the situation? Yeah, I don't think they handled it poorly. I think that they genuinely had what was best for the student athletes in mind at the time, like especially during the cancellation. And I understand where they were coming from. Uh, they didn't know, you know, that, that at, the, at the time we really still did not know very much. And I know we don't still, but I, we know a whole lot more now than we did 
than we did in August. And so I understand where they were coming from. I get it. And I, I know that they were looking out for what they thought was our best interest. Uh, and I appreciate that as a player. Um, so, you know, I don't think they did a bad job. I think, I think bringing the season back was also the right thing to do. Uh, and we appreciate, I know as players, we appreciated the, the, the rules that were set, although it made it hard at times. Um, again, it was just something that was in our best interest. And as players, it can be, you know, we just, it's, it's hard as, at times as players because, you know, it's just like, let's just play. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not going out into the public. We're not endangering the public in any way. If we get it, we really, you know, it would be unfortunate. We don't want to have it, but we want to play, we want to play football more than anything in the world. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a delicate situation, but I, I think that, I don't, I don't think they handled it poorly, to be honest. Gotcha. All right. Uh, I'm not going to ask you about Devontae Smith. Is he a legit Heisman a winner? I think everybody knows the answer to that now. Alabama, blah, blah, blah. That game is done, baby. Uh, you got to the Thank championship you. game. To win it, you got to be in it. So y'all had a shot. Y'all got the shots you wanted. Life doesn't always turn out the way you want it to. But Lee, do you give your do you give you and your, your teammates kudos for finding a way to get in? And obviously, you administrators. I mean, like, Gene Smith and all Christina L. Johnson, the new uh, president of Ohio State, are fighting to give y'all at least that shot. You follow my drift? Yes, I do follow your drift. Yeah, it was 100, – I 100% agree with you. There were so many people that worked so incredibly hard to even get us to that opportunity, to that moment, to, to even be able to perform in the CFP. It was a, just a long, hard fight that I don't think the average fan can quite – grasp what all we had to go through to get there and and the sacrifices that were made it was awful it was awful the sacrifices that we had to make to get to where we wanted to go um and it it made our team closer because the players knew we were all we were in it together you know what i mean yeah it it sucked to have to go through it but at least we did it together so yeah yeah, i was just so so happy for our team to to get there and I've never been as close with a team as as that team was. We were incredibly close. Dude, but boy, did you get a slice of life, though, those last three games of the year, the second half of the Northwestern game, when even Ryan Day said, oh, my goodness, Trey Sermon's running like like Keith Byers or, or Eddie George and and Josh and and uh, Wyatt and Nicholas, Pete Freer, and uh, what, was it Matthew Jones on your left? And, uh, you know, and uh, – they're, they're mowing these guys away. I'm talking about the second half of that Northwestern game through the end of the Clemson game. I've rarely ever – I've never seen an offense play like y'all did against Clemson. I've been covering Ohio State for a long time. I'm talking about it in a meaningful game. And then the, the big drop-off at the end, you you lived life, didn't you, in those, uh, in those three games? Yeah, that's <laughs> – You know. Yeah, they, they everyone says that sports are – are a great teacher about life. And I, I would say that those three games would be the perfect example. Yeah. There's ups and downs and twists and turns just like the rest of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll look back at those three games just so fondly for the rest of my life. Cause the, I mean, those were really, those were really the, you know, that's why you play is to play yeah. in those games and to live in those moments and, and to go through it together. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll smile forever when I look back on those. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I hear people all the time say sports are, is a metaphor for life. And I go, you know, for guys that play sports, it's not a metaphor for life. For guys who play sports and coach it, it is their life. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know, this it's like being a movie actor. Yeah, you're a metaphor when you're playing somebody else in a movie, but that is your life, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. make the most of it. Not every not every movie you make is going to be a hit, but uh, no one's going to forget that Clemson game, no matter what happened in that Alabama game. I'm, I'm just telling you that right now. I've been around long enough to know what people remember and what they forget or or let's put it this way, put it in the back backside. But, uh, you know, when you made that, finally made that uh, uh, decision, didn't decide, didn't surprise anybody that you decided to go to the NFL uh, because you, you had a chance to really to go last year, at least to ponder that last year, opted to come back and stuff. But uh, did it feel like when you made the decision this time, did it feel like the day you committed to Ohio State? Was there any other uh, – or did, did it just feel natural, now's the time to go? Yeah, I, there were a lot of things that played into it. Um, at this point, uh, I'm 22 years old. If I came back for next season, I would be playing next season at 23, and I wouldn't play my first NFL game until I was 24. So that's part of it. Um, you know, 24 is a, a bit of a late start in the league. So uh, that that was definitely part of it. Another part of it was, like, last season uh, I had a great year. Uh, I had a ton of fun, and I just wasn't ready to go. Mentally, emotionally, I just wasn't ready to make that leap yet. I hadn't prepared myself for that yet. The only focus that I had was college and doing, you know, just doing the absolute best that I could in college and and living it up and, and having a great time with my with my boys playing football. And then, you know, as as the season ended, I just wasn't ready for that leap yet. I wasn't prepared. You know, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have an, my eyes set on any agencies where I wanted to train. All There's just so many so many moving pieces that I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to come back and play next season and get all that stuff sorted out and, and, you know, have one more season with my, with my boys, with my brothers. And um, I think that was the best decision I could have made, but the end of this season, um, I I was just so much, so much more prepared. And I just felt like I was mentally, physically and emotionally ready for this next step. Uh, So it just made sense. I was going to say, man, and you don't you don't have to respond to this, but I think that one of the things that got you guys through this whole COVID uh, challenge, this pandemic challenge, uh, uh, I think a lot of things happen for a reason, almost like serendipity. And uh, I thought you coming back, you know, you're one of those stalwart, strong dudes. I mean, mature beyond your years, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. But uh, I just think leadership of guys like you, or what helped Ohio State get through this, you know, the, the, that thing, and get to the get back to a chance at a national championship. And uh, uh, and like I said, you don't have to respond to that, but boy, in, in, in challenging times, you need leaders, man. And you know, besides yourself, I mean, g- give me one other guy before we move on. Give me one other guy that you thought really stepped up. A, a bunch of you guys did, but give me one other guy that just surprised you, maybe the way he stepped up in a leadership role this past season to help you guys kind of weather the storm. Yeah. Well, for starters, I really appreciate, appreciate you saying that. That means, that means a whole lot to me. And you're, you're right. There were a, there were a ton of guys who, who really stepped up. There were so many leaders on, on our team this season. Uh, First guy that comes to mind to me and, and 
like how he played in the late the late latter half of the season, the late stretch of the season is no surprise. But Justin Hilliard, um, yeah, Justin Hilliard. I mean, he's a six year six year guy. He's seen it all. He's been through everything, and you know, he was just one of those guys that you know anyone could talk to him in the locker room, whether you're you know six years younger than him and a freshman, or you're you know fifth year senior or whatever. He's just an incredible person and leader and we our whole team leaned on him a lot. I mean our leaders leaned on him even uh, yeah. at times because you know I mean people don't people don't realize this but I didn't we didn't see our families I still haven't I I, I still haven't seen them they they had to fly home after the Alabama game and I didn't so I didn't get to see him at the stadium after the game and I went back to my hotel went to bed woke up and flew to Dallas and I still haven't seen him so wow um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone was at home on Christmas with their families hanging out. Not any Ohio State football players, man. We were we were in Columbus just sitting there. Yeah. We, we were with our families. So well, you, went, wait a minute, you went caroling, didn't you? I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Not <laughs> but but hey, but seriously, after that game, you know, I just had this vision of you guys. The game's over. The season's over. Masks off. But that wasn't the case at all, was it? <laughs> no, unfortunately, unfortunately not. Yeah, but hey, well, anyway, let's get let's get right to it. I mean, so your plans, you're just you know, you're you you've you've mapped this out now. Whereas a year ago, you probably were going to go into this blind. You've had a whole year to prepare for how you're going to prepare for the draft. And like I said, you know, the two most important forty yard dashes of your life, right? And then. You'll probably never run another forty-yard <laughs> dash, <laughs> but uh, is I it? Hope not. You do you all of a sudden feel like you're in a business? I mean, what what what's the feeling like suddenly? You know? Yeah, it is. It, it's weird because you transition from as a player. I've spent my my whole life as a player, very much doing whatever I was told and whatever I was asked to do, and that's something that I'll continue to do when I and playing in the NFL, if the coaches need me to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that'll ever change. That's, that's hardwired into me, but um, it does. And you do feel a whole lot more like a business when you get into like, I'm not a part of a team right now and I'm trying to sell myself to teams. It's, you know, it's not so much like, you know, getting recruited in high school, the teams are selling themselves to you. Yeah. Now I'm selling myself to teams and you know, I'm really, I have agents, but really my agents work for me. I don't work for them. And same thing with my, the people that I'm training with really, they work for me. I don't work for them. It's just a very weird process that is, it's going to take some getting used to because I'm just not used to it. I'm so used to, you know, standing yeah. up straight up, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's hard to explain as a, as a player. It's a, a it's like a complete 180. Josh Myers Inc. or Josh Josh Myers LLC. That's what you are now. Suddenly, you've got a you know you just named off a payroll there. You don't even know it, but uh, you know that's that's what happens when you become a pro athlete. A lot of people are do, you know doing things for you, but they expect uh, recompense or whatever that word is. Uh, well, let me ask you you know quickly if uh, Jacksonville calls on the phone uh, on draft day. I mean. It's stunning right now, right? I mean, your former head coach, Urban Meyer, is now the head coach at Jacksonville. But uh, I would think you'd take the phone call from anybody. You're not necessarily rooting for one person or another, right? Yeah, this this process is 
this process is so different. Kind of like I said, with, you know, like high school recruiting and you choosing into where now I'm trying to sell myself to teams. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll answer any phone call from any one of the 32 teams and be, trust me, be absolutely ecstatic about it. Yeah. Uh, and if that happens to be, if that happens to be Jacksonville, then, you know, I'm, I'm back with coach. <laughs> and Ryan Stamper. Yeah, and, and Stamp, yeah. And, and Anthony, Anthony Schlegel. I know you've met Anthony Schlegel, now the uh, strength yeah. coach. Yeah, oh, crazy, yeah. I, he's, a, he's a great dude. It is. It's crazy. It's, I, I've already thought about what those meetings are going to be like when I meet with them because I'm sure I will. Yeah. It's going to be such an interesting dynamic. I'm going to have a hard time not smiling, to be honest. Of course, of course. I just, that's you know, my game face. For so long. That's my game face, Coach. That's my game face. You know that? <laughs> right. Hey, are you glad you switched to center? I mean, uh, uh, as you look back on it now, has it given you? Do you think, like I said, when people look at, look look your name up in your resume on draft day, they're going to see a guy, you know, that some people thought could have been a great guard at least in in a, in a college football who switched to center. Now you have both of those on your resume, like Michael Jordan did, like Corey Lindsley, you know, uh, right on down the line, like Billy Price. Are you glad? Uh, are you glad you got that experience? Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm more than glad I got that experience. Is that I, what you think people are going to look at you as? What, what's your take on that? Go ahead. I think it'll depend on the team. I think it'll depend on the team and the, the needs of the team. I think that I'll definitely get looked at for guard as well as center. Yeah. Um, I, I love both positions. And really the thing I love about center is that it taught me how to look at the whole picture. One of the things that as a young guy I really struggled with was, okay, I'm left guard on this play. I know what the left guard has to do on this play, but I couldn't see, I couldn't see the whole picture and how, how that can change based on what the defense is doing. I couldn't fathom that. And when I moved to center, uh, I was forced to see all the whole picture. And I'm now, you know, now I know what the running back's doing. I know what the tight end's doing. I know what all five linemen are doing. I know where the quarterback's setting up to throw. You know, all of those different moving pieces I know in my head. And really it changed the way that I look at football. And, I, you know, now I can take that with me to the NFL. And if I play center in the NFL, then great, I have that experience. If I play guard, now I have that knowledge and, and yeah. I'll, I'll look at the defense the same way I would as if I were a center. So, yeah. Oh yeah. It's that you can't, you can't really uh, buy that kind of experience. And, uh, uh, and then, then on top of it, you know, you've got, you've got video, like I, Kirk Barg's one of my good friends, you know, even though he has another website, which we compete with, but, but, you know, he and I used to talk all the time about just the experience you get at an Ohio state in some of those big time games of going against guys that you'll be playing against in the league. You know, they have video. You know, they have video of you against Clemson, against uh, Alabama, against Clemson last year, you know, against big-time teams in the in the, uh, in the the uh, Big Ten. And that's invaluable, isn't it? It is. It is invaluable. I think it – I think it's invaluable for a couple reasons. I think that the, the NFL teams can see me playing against legitimate talent and guys who are – you know, that can really play, you know, yeah. just like, you know, I mean, and it's not, it's not just like a, Oh, he, he played a, a guy who can play this week and he won't play another one for another three. It's yeah. I mean, we, there are dudes on the field every game that can absolutely play some football. And so 
I think that's extremely valuable for NFL teams watching our film and understanding, you know, as Ohio State players, what we can do and what we can't do. And then as a player myself playing at such a high level, I feel like I feel like I'm just that much more ready for the next step. And I understand that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a bit of a learning curve and another, you know, another step up from what I'm used to. But I feel like I feel like playing at Ohio State has prepared me much more for that than if I were to go somewhere um, where I was playing, you know, less talented people on a regular basis. So I feel very prepared. As I say about, you know, about it, a lot of times you're going against really good football players, uh, even against regular Big Ten teams. But when you go against what I call prototype players, you know, like, you know, like bodies, you know what I mean? Big bodies, the same you're going to see. It seems like pro scouts ought to spend a lot more time on that video than anything else, in my opinion, because that's what they're trying to draft, you know. But, uh, hey, last thing, who should Ohio State fans or why should Ohio State fans be optimistic about this coming year? Obviously, Thayer Munford has said he's coming back. Chris Olavi said a little while ago he's coming back. Uh, uh, Jeremy Ruckert said he's coming back. All those guys had those decisions to make. Some other guys like Justin Fields have opted to leave like you have and stuff. But uh, why should Ohio State fans be optimistic about what could come around in 2021 uh, this season, in your opinion, Josh? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think there's a long answer and a short answer. I think my short answer would be, did you watch the Michigan State game? And my long answer would be yeah. that we have talent everywhere. And we have guys that you know, just just take the offensive line, for instance. We have guys on our offensive line this season that would have started on – I mean, we had three or four guys that would have started on any Big Ten offense in the conference. I mean, any single one of them, and they would have – every they would have started. So, those guys had another year of development. They had another year of watching, you know, guys like me and Wyatt and Thayer and Nick and Harry and Matt, and they, they, they've seen all that. And they have another year of development and they'll just be that much more ready uh, to play. And it's not just offensive line. That's every position. So there's, listen, there's, there's a lot of things to be excited about. And Ohio state football is, it's bigger than a couple players. I can assure you that it's, it's (laughs) Ohio state will be just fine without us. Uh, What did y'all miss not having Trey in the lineup after those first two plays? And it's didn't knocking anybody else who replaced him. I'm, you know, as I said, if you could have surgically taken out two players uh, from Ohio State, uh, Trey Sermon and Tommy Togia, who would change sort of the dynamic of y'all's offense and defense, those would have been the two guys I would have plucked out of there. You know what I'm saying? I personally would 100% agree. I would 100% agree. I think, I think the one-two punch of Trey and Master was extremely special, I think. Yeah. I think Trey has a lot more wiggle than Master does. And yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean better, but different. And Trey was running really well down the stretch, seeing the holes and hitting them hard and then making people miss at the second level. Yeah. Uh, and just the way he was playing was massive. And, and it hurt bad not having him in there. Uh, and, and of course, you know, when, when they would pull Trey out and, and throw master in there for some plays, man, he would, he would make him feel it. You know, he is yeah. North and South and he was running it. So yeah, it, that one hurt Tom, not, not having Tom. He was, 
yeah, that one hurt really bad. Yeah. That one hurt really bad. So what, what game will be on, if you could put a game on your mantle from your college career, what game would it be? Would it be the game where you guys launched uh, Trey Sermon to 331 yards rushing and broke the 25 year school record set by Eddie George for a single game rushing record? Uh, would it be the Clemson game? Would it be a game I'm not thinking about? Would it be one of the games? You know, it's funny. Y'all played Clemson more times in the last two years than you played Michigan. That's how screwed up. 2020. Yeah, right. But right. what what would – and we'll get out of here after this, but what 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 would be that game that you would put on your mantle? That is, that is an awfully tough one. Gosh. I think personally – it would have to be a tie. I can't pick one. I just can't. Okay. Yeah. I said, I think, I said, it's one of those trophies. It's got two things on it. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's two picture frames there. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think the 2019, 2019 team up North game for me is one of them um, that they had a, they had a lot of steam coming into that game and people were expecting a very close ball game and to go to Ann Arbor and beat them the way we did. And it to be my first start and evidently my only start and the game just made it so much, so much more special. The amount of emphasis that we put on that game in a calendar year is just absurd. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it is absurd. And so that one has to be one of them. I can't not make it one. I mean, I will, that game will live on in my heart forever. Yeah. Uh, and then also the Clemson game from this season to, to lose, last year the way we did to them in a game that really we should have won uh, and to turn around and again be the underdog and beat them the way we did was probably one of the most satisfying um, just one of the best feelings I've ever had I mean if you could bottle the feelings up that I had during that game and sell it you'd be the richest man on planet earth by tenfold I mean is I can't even express the the happiness that came from that win. Yeah. I mean, that had, had to put the term balling in. It had to be, you know, if you had the term <laughs> balling in the dictionary, it'd be that game. I know for you guys on the offensive line, over 600 yards total offense against Brent Venables. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, before we go, how far behind is Michigan right now, in your opinion, in, in, the, in the game? I mean, can they make this up quickly? Well, what's your what's your take, Josh? Now you can play. Oh, I can I can answer on this now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you know, you asked me this three months right. ago. I'm like, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to give you a great answer. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that the rivalry of this game. I don't think it might sound stupid to some people, but I really, in my heart, I don't believe that it's the talent gap between the two programs that are what makes it so lopsided. I, I really don't. I think it's the approach taken to the game. I think if, if just from everything I've heard, you know, it's, they treat it as another game and you hear coaching staffs all around the country say, well, you, you, you hear people say that about any game. Oh, it's just like, it's the next game. It's the next step. We don't look ahead. Um, yeah, we do we do look ahead and it's not just a game to Ohio state. It's, it's something that it's something that you're taught. My first, my first workout at Ohio state, if I remember correctly, 
it was after the 2016 Fiesta Bowl loss. And it was my first workout. And it was, we did Team Up North. I think it was like 331 days, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Until the plan. And so from day one until the day you leave, I mean, it is just, when, when the game got canceled, okay, we have the clock for days until, you know, we play Team Up North. The, within 10 minutes of the game getting canceled, the clock got reset. Wow. Wow. You know I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. And it's, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you never, there's so many things that we do for it. When coach Meyer was there, we would, we would have a, a period during like every practice where we wouldn't do scout team for the team we were playing that week. We would do scout team versus team up North and their offense and their defense. It didn't matter who we were playing that week or it didn't matter if it was spring ball. We still did it then. So I, I think the approach to the game is what makes it lopsided right now for Ohio State. Our approach is that it's not another game because it's not, not to us. Yeah. yeah. That game is everything. If we, you know, we could, we could win every other game and win the national championship. If we don't win that game, that season is a failure. It's really funny, man. You know, I've been covering Ohio State football since 84, 1984, been around it longer, much longer than that. And then whatever, but you know, I, I was there during the John Cooper years when it was two ten and one, and when a lot of people thought it would never turn around, and now it's seventeen and two the last nineteen games. I mean, you know, just when you think things will never change, they do, right? I mean, so you know, now now the legacy you guys have left for the people that follow you is crazy. I mean, to live up to that. Yeah. Hey, last thing we're out of here. I always say that. I always have one last question, but this is my last one. Is who will be the quarterback for Ohio State in 2021, the starting quarterback? Did you see enough of C.J. Stroud, uh, Jack Miller? Uh, you haven't seen uh, the kid coming in McCord yet, but uh, what's just your take on who might step up first? Yeah, that's a tough question. They, they both – I mean, that's, that's, that's a tough question for me to be able to accurately answer right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you this, whichever – you know what it kind of reminds me of, to be completely honest with you, it kind of reminds me of, and and they're a little bit younger than these two guys were, so it's you know this is putting a lot of pressure on them, but it kind of reminds me of Dwayne and Joe, that kind yeah. of situation. It, it sounds crazy, I know, but I think those two guys are that talented, and I think that wow. they both they both bring things to the table that are different, but that are really good, and I really. I'm not really sure there's a wrong choice there. You know what I mean? If they, if they, if Ohio State chose to start Joe instead of Dwayne, we would have been fine. Yeah. We chose Dwayne. We were fine. LSU got Joe. LSU was fine. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's I think it's one of those kinds of situations. Yeah. Joe, so. yeah. Joe and LSU, they did all right anyway. Yeah. Hey. They, were, they weren't too bad. Josh, you're one of my favorite guys, man. We, you know, we don't get to, I tell people all this all the time, you know, when Orlando Pace was there, I used to talk to Orlando almost every day, you know, I mean, because it was a different, different time, you know, and stuff. We hardly ever get to see you guys, but don't think we don't appreciate guys like you guys who cover the team. I mean, you know, I don't cover it as quite as close as I used to, but pretty close. I don't like to keep up with stuff, but uh, you know, uh, it means the world to us when we do get some time with you guys, because we understand the sacrifice you guys put in this year. Uh, just to to play football, you know, and it, yeah, it wasn't just, it wasn't just for the fans and stuff. I mean, y'all did that for yourselves, you know, because y'all, y'all could have walked out of that building on August 11th and never come back, you know, I mean, you yeah. know, with the, 
But so the work and the dedication y'all put in is totally appreciated. And uh, I hope you feel that now as you get ready to move on to where uh, you have to earn your paycheck week by week. You have to <laughs> prove that you're better than that guy who's trying to take your job. You have to prove you're better than that guy or you just ask the favor of, hey, what do I do on this play? And he tells you the wrong thing, you know. <laughs> That's what you're going to miss most from college to pro, you know. But uh, Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a different world. But I, yeah. I did want to say that uh, I really appreciate you saying that. And also, you know, like when you asked me to do this podcast, I absolutely said yes because you guys have had our back from day one. You've had my back. Uh, yeah. And we don't get to express it much, but we really appreciate it. I really appreciate it, too. So right. uh, you guys are also appreciated. I hope you guys know that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell my wife you said that and see what she said. <laughs> you should. There you go. Josh Myers, ladies and gentlemen, on the Tim May Podcast. Appreciate you, Josh. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. You know, Spencer, I know you and Josh go back a long way, uh, just like I do with him. But uh, uh He's an impressive young man, all things considered, correct? Yeah, I think every conversation I've ever had with Josh, um, you know, I would try and grab him a little bit and uh, talk to him off the record or talk to him in, you know, one-on-one setting in 2019 before the pandemic hit and everything. And every time you talk to him, you learn something about the offensive line or you learn something about the offense or just the team in general. And I don't think anybody's ever had a bad thing to say about Josh Myers. And I think it's going to be harder and harder to find NFL scouts that have bad things to say about him because – He's just as impressive off the field as he is on the field. Yeah, and he really did develop into one of the nation's elite centers. I'm very curious to see where he goes in the draft. You know, moving on from that, though, I'm just as curious. So does Harry Miller move into that spot now? What's your take on that? I mean, you know you know this roster as well as anybody. The, the natural progression for me when I saw Harry Miller start at guard this year was, well, he's going to play guard and he's going to move to center and he's going to – challenge for the Remington trophy and become a borderline All-American and then go to the NFL because that's the line of succession at Ohio State when you are recruited as a center. You play guard, you play center, you almost win the Remington or you win the Remington, go to the NFL. So naturally that would be the progression, but I do think there's some challengers there. I think Matt Jones was recruited as a as a, uh, a center prospect. I think Luke Whipler, high four-stack four-star guy who could step in and really make an impact on that offensive line next year. There are challengers for Harry Miller. I'm not going to pen him into that role yet. I think he'd be penciled in, but I'm not going to put in pen yet because I think there are some guys on that offensive line where if you play him at guard, they're going to do well. If you play him at center, they're going to do well. So I think Ohio State has some options that are far from Harry Miller, but Harry Miller seems to be the leader right now. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, you know, Ohio State fans, you know, don't let one game, uh, that Michigan State game was a tough was a tough chore for Harry Miller suddenly jumping down there into center to play for Josh Myers, who had tested positive for COVID, uh, you know, that week. Uh, uh, he, had, he had a tough uh, – <laughs> he had a little tough time with his deep snaps and stuff. But uh, I'm really interested, like you are, to see how that plays out. But, you know, just when you named Luke Whippler and you named uh, Matthew Jones, Matthew Jones probably uh, jumping right into what could be coming in 2021. He was probably as pleasant a surprise for the Ohio State coaching staff is anybody on this team the last four or five games of the year? Because even against Alabama, I thought he played very well. You know, he started in place of Harry Miller at left guard, even though Harry Miller was available. And uh, uh, he, I, I think he really put his name up on the chalkboard. Don't you agree? Yeah, he, he impressed me because when you first look at this offensive line, I'll even go back to my first season covering the team in 2019. 
that offensive line was almost set other than the tackle spot with Brandon Bowen and Nicholas Petit Frere. Matthew Jones was never mentioned. And this year going right. into the season, that tackle spot was was the only one that was up for grabs with Nicholas Petit Frere and uh, Paris Johnson. And so Matthew Jones had almost been, for lack of a better term, an afterthought, you know, in the depth chart of Ohio State. He was always going to be in the two deep, but never good enough to make take that leap. He steps in for Harry Miller, and it looks like, you know, you got an All-American playing guard opposite of Wyatt Davis. So yeah. he was an interesting addition to the offensive line. It was a pleasant surprise, like you said. And I think he's going to play a huge role on the interior of that offensive line next year because he seems to only just be getting going. And I think that's the the trajectory that Ohio State and Greg Stadrawa and Ryan Day want for those offensive linemen. They don't want them to step in and play early because if they're playing early, that means they're doing something wrong in the development. So I think Matthew Jones is on the perfect trajectory for this offensive line. Yeah, like you said, it also means you have some holes, you know, in their in – their, basically in their roster when you have guys having to jump in and play early unless, of course, they're Orlando Pace or somebody like that. But you're exactly right. But just, you know, Luke Whippler, Harry Miller, um, Matthew Jones, that could be still the interior – of your offensive line next year, which means, you know, uh, CJ Stroud or J Jack Miller, whoever jumps in there at quarterback, what, what's your take right now, man? I mean, I, I know the, uh, I know the insiders, you know, want to, want to, want to immediately give this job to CJ Stroud, but I'm telling you, uh, it was curious. I know CJ was banged up when uh, Jack Miller went in the first guy to relieve uh, Justin Fields this year, but I think uh, it's going to be a wide open battle in the spring for that quarterback job. And that's going to be the job. That's going to be the position we're all watching through the spring. Agreed? Yeah. And I think you can even throw Kyle McCord's name in there. You know, my first, uh, you know, ever highlight uh, watching of Kyle McCord was when he was a sophomore in high school. Uh, I saw a couple throws that he made and that's all it took. I, it took, I think two or three throws. And I said, this kid can start at any program in the country whenever he wants and I'll stick by that. I think he has the tools and the ability. If he can learn the playbook from January next week, I think when they arrive, he yeah. can learn the playbook from then to fall camp. Cause I think this battle is going to go into fall camp. I don't think it's going to be one of those uh, spring game uh, decisions. I think it's going to go into the fall camp. If Kyle McCord impresses enough at spring ball and learns the playbook and gets on the same page as the wide receivers, don't be surprised to see him in some games when they're still testing the waters to find out who's going to be the starter. Cause I think it might even go into that first game of the year. I know you play at Minnesota. It's going to be odd to do that, but all three of these guys are supremely talented. They, they really are. You have an embarrassment of riches at quarterback. You just, that you haven't seen him throw a college pass yet. I think yeah. this quarterback battle is going to be fascinating and I will even make it a three horse race, not just a two. Yeah. You know, I touched on it. We touched on it earlier in my, in my intro. Uh, before I talked to Josh Myers, uh, Chris Olave coming back, man, are you kidding me? That's like, that's like a, for a quarterback hitting the lottery, in my opinion, because now you'll have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson again as probably your starting wide receivers. Jeremy Ruckert opting to come back for another year, his senior year. That was huge, too. I thought he was for sure, not for sure, nothing's ever for sure, but I thought there was a great chance he was going to leave for the NFL. I mean, uh, you know, even my wife was talking about Jeremy Ruckert and how making some of those catches he made late in the year and how suddenly the tight end became another part of the Ohio State passing game. But, uh, you know, uh, and even at running back, you know, if Master Teague III is back, but then, you know, Mayan Williams, the guy that had to miss the Alabama game, I thought, man, he made strides big time and finally showed the public what, the, what his teammates were talking about about him uh, behind the scenes about, yes, uh, uh, Tony Alford, 
you know, might hit a home run in getting Mayan Williams, a guy that a lot of people kind of like shrugged about when he when he signed with Ohio State last year. And uh, uh, and then you got Travion Henderson coming in. I mean, uh, this this offense could be loaded again, and and it could be loaded in being launched by a really good offensive line. Yeah, and I think it starts up front. But when you talk about the wide receivers, to have Olave and Wilson back, to have Julian Fleming another year with, under Brian Hartline, and to have Jackson Smith and Jigba another year under Brian Hartline, to get yeah. Emeka Buka, you know, into that offense and see what he can do in a role that I think will be similar to what Jackson Smith did this year, um, and then to have Fleming, yeah, five capable running backs, I think that that could start. You know, Evan Pryor, even Travion Henderson. Uh, Master Teague the third. I know you like to put the third on there because you like to call him yeah. by his proper name. Uh, yeah. Marcus Crowley and Mayan Williams, like those guys. It's a loaded offense, and and playing time is going to be like you know fighting amongst the wolves trying to get on the field because this is a this is an incredibly talented offense. I'm really excited. It's January 18th. I'm already excited to watch the offense go. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the competition you're going to see, it's almost like you'd like to see Ryan Day just kind of toss a football up in the air, let it hit, and then. Tell those running backs, go for it. First guy to get it, you're the starter. Uh, that would be fun to watch because those are all competitive dudes, man, in their own right. Uh, and then, then defensively, real quick, uh, who are they going to miss the most, man? What's going to be the toughest uh, replacement? I think it's going to be a guy uh, who does maybe more off the field than he does on the field, but he's highly productive on the field. I think it's Jonathan Cooper. When you have a fifth-year guy – who understands everything about Ohio State, you know, grew up in Columbus, had the brutal loss to Clemson, was on that roster, uh, was, you know, picked Ohio State over every, every other school, has been to multiple playoffs, you know, beat Michigan every time he needed to, uh, has seen it all, was in the locker room for the Iowa game, the Purdue game, the, the lowest of lows the last five years, the highest of highs. And he's an ultra-productive, high-end talent caliber guy who can you know bend really well get to the quarterback whenever you need a big play to lose that off your defense is massive and I think you know Pete Werner tough Borland those guys were huge Sean Wade huge for that defense yeah but when you talk about the experience that that Coop brought to the locker room brought to the meeting room the film room had with coach Jay and, and helping the younger guys and take him off the field from that defense I think he's going to be very difficult to replace and I think uh, you know, Ohio State's been able to replace the Bosa's and Chase Young. And I think it's going to be just as difficult to replace Cooper as it was those guys, but in a completely different sense. So I think that's where I turn. I think it's the competition to replace Cooper as the leader of the defense has already started. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of who would step up and be that vocal, that guy who's, you know, no one's ever uh, no one's ever mistaken Jonathan Cooper for Chase Young, you know, from the standpoint of just that, over the top, uh, can't miss defensive end, pass rusher guy, but the so the solid the solidity he brought, if in fact it's the correct term, just to his position, but also as a leader. I mean, he's a guy that not only led by example, but led by vocal. You know, I mean, there aren't a lot of guys that can put both of those pieces together, and he definitely did that. So yeah, they're going to be definitely looking for that kind of that kind of fella on the defensive side. Boy, secondary. That's a that's kind of that's a project, man, and uh, I'm interested to see how that turns out. By the way, uh, coming up, and we'll be talking about it about that on later later Tim May podcasts. Uh, but I'm, I want to ask you this: uh, I'm curious about this one guy who's coming in, Jack Sawyer. 
you you've known him for a while now, just like I have and stuff. Does he look like the guy that can make an immediate impact even in workouts and spring ball? I I think so. I think you know to to come in as early as he did to be able to talk to Larry Johnson as as often as he's gotten to to be able to have a relationship with Ryan Day like he does. You know he was you know when when Ryan Day took the job, it's like, okay, but he's got to land Jack Sawyer. It's first, first priority. You have to land Jack Sawyer. And he did it. And yeah. Jack has, has stuck with the program uh, through a little bit of, you know, ups and downs with the loss to Clemson and everything, you know, whatever. But for yeah. him to be able to talk to Larry Johnson as often as he has and get pointers from him already and go to those camps that he got to last year before everything got canceled this year and just develop as a college athlete, still in a high school uniform and, and to be able to see what it's like to be a Jonathan Cooper, to be a chase young, you know, he was at every game. It seems like for so long, I think, I think he understands what it takes already. So when he steps in next week or whenever, like I said, whenever they they arrive on campus here in January, I think he's going to be ready. And I think he's going to be up to the challenge. I think he's going to make an immediate impact. Um, I think he's going to try to take some, some leadership reins because that's just the kind of kid he is. He can't really help himself. I feel like. And so, he could be a true freshman that's trying to lead. And, and that's what you really want in the, in the program uh, is a kid that's at least trying to lead. He might not be the leader, but he's going to try to be the leader and he's going to try and be as productive as he can. And I think he's got all the tools, you know, he's, he's pretty well, Berm likes to say that he's pretty well polished already. You know, Zach Harrison's not, wasn't as polished when he came out of high school. Chase Young had to be polished. It's Jack Sawyer's already there. And so you you just got to add to it from there. And I think you can yeah, it's interesting, man. It, every year it seems like some of these guys come in and I'm just going, they're sophomores already. You know, I mean, they're and I'm talking about from a maturity standpoint, from a from a down to business standpoint. Uh they're not walking in. Most of these guys aren't walking in with wide eyes. I mean, they, you know, they have a mission in mind. I mean, they're they're squinting toward that NFL, you know, they're squinting toward uh uh having a chance to play as early as possible and doesn't always work out for them and stuff. Hey, less, uh, but but th- but they're coming in with that kind of uh, mind frame. Mind frame. Uh, real quick before we go, uh, like you and I talked about before we started the podcast today, more and more this is Ryan Day's team now. What do you think? What do you what do you, what do you think about the rock? What what has Ryan Day done well in your opinion? And uh, what does he need to what does he need to to quickly hold of in your opinion from this uh, coming out of this lost Alabama? Well, I think the biggest thing that Ryan Day's done with the roster is he's completely made the offensive line one of the strongest in the country. And there were times when Urban Meyer, before I even started covering the team, when Urban Meyer would stand at the podium and say, you know, I really hope one of our offensive linemen don't get hurt this week because they they were dangerously thin when, when you had those 2016 and 17 offensive lines were very, very thin. Like if one guy got hurt, you're, you're looking at the sidelines like, what, what are we going to do? What Ryan Day has has challenged Greg Stradrawa. He's challenged the recruiting on the offensive line. He said, you know, go get those guys and, and make the offensive line a strength. And they have, you know, there's probably seven or eight guys that from the offensive line that could start anywhere in the country. And I think that's a testament to the roster building that Ohio State's done, the prioritization that Ohio State's had uh, in the trenches and, you know, even tight ends as an extension of that offensive line. Um and then to, to bring in linebackers, you know, Al Washington had a, had a tall task reforming that linebacker room. And to have the offensive line strength that they have now, to see what Al Washington can do in molding these linebackers now who haven't really seen playing time that much, 
into starting linebackers at Ohio State. I think that's going to be really interesting to watch, but I think that's where the steps have been taken. The, the defensive line was always good Agreed. under Urban Meyer. The yeah. secondary was always good under Urban Meyer. The receivers were were pretty good, but I think it's taken a step up. But that's Brian Hartline more than Ryan Day, I think. To have the offensive line and the linebackers be so more advanced than they were under Urban Meyer, I think that's a testament to what Ryan Day's been able to build. Well, suspense. Thank you for joining the Tim May Podcast, man. And uh, we're going to do this more often, as you well know. I've been promising you that all along, but I'm going to follow up because I like to follow up on my promises. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, it's been a pleasure covering this team this past year. I'm looking forward to this next season. Uh, but until next next week's Tim May podcast, this is Tim May for, for Spencer Holberg saying, see you then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.